Action. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. I'm trying to get as many follow-backs as I can in, too, here as we go along. But uh, please make sure to check us out. It's at the Hammer Sports. It's where uh, you get all the interviews and all the other great stuff that uh, we, we put out for you here. It's uh, at the Hammer Sports. Lots of stuff to talk to uh, talk about as uh, we start to head into the weekend here. Let's get started. Um, that's not my stuff. This is my stuff. Get out of here. Let's just get started with the need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. Yesterday's news sitting in front of me. All right. Big Ten is donezo in the NCAA basketball tournament after Michigan State. They go to OT, but they ultimately lose to K-State 98-93. An exciting one there. So 23 years now since MSU won the title. Last. The last time the Big Ten won an NCAA men's tournament. We'll discuss. Meanwhile, uh, other Big Ten news, Michigan's Jet Howard will leave the program he announced today. He's going to head to the NBA draft. Other action from last night, the Blackhawks got destroyed at Washington 6-1. Darcy Kepper, check his check his, uh, his sports gambling accounts. This dude straight handed a puck to Connor Sheary when he was like 8 feet out of the net. I mean, you wouldn't know any better. It just looked like he tried to throw the game for Pete's sakes. I'm not saying it just looks bad. That's all right. You know where the Blackhawks are going to be. Probably picking number one in the draft. That's three losses in a row for Chicago. They're going to play the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. Coming up tomorrow. Uh, Purdue baseball in action. Three games set. They're going to kick off their Big Ten slate against Michigan State. Sparty 11-7. On the year, uh, and uh, your Purdue Boilermakers are sitting at 9 and 10. Two didn't face each other at all last season. Uh, first pitch is at 4 p.m. Uh, Cal Stevens is on the bump for the Boilers, and I believe it's on the Big Ten Network today. So you can check that out if you like. Softball's doing the same thing. They're at 6.30 all the way out at Nebraska, though. Huskers are good. Second in the league in batting average, hits, and they lead the league in doubles and total bases. That's going to be a tough one for the Boilers. Purdue with 65 academic all, um, uh, all-conference all players over the winter. Good for them. 48 of which came from swimming and diving programs. 20 of those are being honored uh, for the third time in their careers. Handful of four-time winners, including basketball's Cassidy Harden, swimming and diving's Nick Sherman, as well as Maggie Merriman, and wrestlers Parker Phileas, Thomas Benola. 
Speaking of Nick Sherman, he's uh, placed 27th this morning in the NCAAs in the 200 free prelims. Lower to sea time, good for him. Jordan Rosbecca and uh, Sam Bennett competing in the three-meter diving prelims right now. I tried to pull up the live scoring on that, couldn't get anything. So they'll have that today, and then uh, tomorrow, uh, one of them is also in the uh, in the platform. I think it's Jordan. I didn't write it down. My apologies. Women's golf competing at the Liz Murphy Classic. That's down on the uh, campus of the University of Georgia. A field of 15, which uh, six of which are top 30 teams in the country. Purdue holding its own so far. Currently at uh, four over as a team. As uh, they play uh, between holes 12 and 15. That's got them in six right now. Pretty good spot. That is the uh, highest of the unranked teams in the field. They just trail fourth-ranked South Carolina by two strokes. You like to see that. So they're doing strong there. Daniel Detuit, low boiler. Uh, last I checked, she sits in fifth at two under. That's just a shot off the lead. Auburn had like three girls today. And they lead like 11 under. I mean, they're blowing the field away. And three at the top of the leaderboard with three under. Um, yeah, no update here. Danielle has parred parts in the last time I checked. So she's still a two under, still one shot off the lead. But I mean, she's only like, she literally, she's tied with the second ranked player in the country. Good for her. Keep it going, women's golf. You'd love to see it. Uh, some action tonight. The Pacers are an 11.5-point road dog against the Celtics. Tyrese Halliburton participated in walkthrough. There is a chance he plays tonight. He is still officially listed as questionable. But he's gone through some of the warm-ups and stuff. We'll see. He was noncommittal during those warm-ups. Why would you be? You wouldn't say anything this afternoon before the game tonight, right? There you go. That is today's Need to Know News. All right. Um, our best bets last night. Man, I tell you, we took K-State, but we also took that under. And not even close. I felt better when it went to overtime. Just because, you know, you hit overtime, you're probably not hitting the under anyway. But the frustrating thing for that game was the amount of great data that we had that pointed to that under. There's only so much you can do when it happens. I get it, but come on, man. What do we what do we say? Those um, it was like fourteen and four, fourteen and five. The under NCAA games in MSG this season. They were hitting at almost sixty five percent since 2019-2020. Ugh. What are you going to do? Feel a little bit better. Use all the best data that you can. You do what you do. Uh, tonight, here was the interesting stat that I saw here. You ready for this? Since 2012, double-digit seeds versus non-double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16. 13-4-1 against the spread. Hello, Princeton. You lovable nerds at plus 9.5 taking on Creighton tonight. If you want to play that, I'm just throwing out the stats there for you. Our friends over at DraftKings will give you another 16% college basketball profit boost, by the way, tonight. 
They'll also give you a 25% boost on Alabama and Houston, both to win by at least five points. I can see Alabama doing that spread is seven. I like Miami tonight at seven and a half. I have no doubt. Da- I've flushed out all the data. I like Miami's athleticism. I think they have a shot against Houston. I don't really have anything. What I do yesterday, maybe I'm overthinking it, but yesterday I went and I dug up all this good stuff and it all immediately backfired. So maybe it's time for a a shoot from the hip type of play. Maybe it's just Maybe it's just time to go with what you think you know. I I like Miami. Houston's great, but again, you know, if you listen to the show, you know that I just have a general disdain for them because of who and how they play. But I think Miami's got the horses to keep up with Houston offensively. I think that might be a high-scoring game there, too. 139, the over-under. Houston 8th in Ken Bomb adjusted offense. Miami is 11th. 139? We sure? It figures. We probably have one of those games, K-State, Michigan State, and all the data tells you to take the under, and it goes way over that. And here you go, you just look at this and go, yeah, there's no way. And you play the over, and it just doesn't come anywhere close. Don't think's happen. I, look, I'll take Miami tonight and the 7.5. Alabama to cover 7 seems like a lot. I think Alabama wins. And Creighton's a double-digit favorite right now at minus 10. I've liked Creighton at times. Boy, they just, they've had that penchant during their conference season just completely disappear. I mean, down the stretch. Man, they had that road loss at Providence. They lost at home to Marquette. They lost at Villanova. And they've lost where they do lose. It is the good teams. But boy, they had a rough December too. I would be remiss if I didn't remind you this is also a team too that lost as the seventh-ranked team in the country, to Nebraska. Yeah, give me that. uh, I'll go back to that number again. Since 2012, double-digit seeds versus non-double-digit seeds. In the Sweet 16, 13-4-1 against the spread. Yeah, maybe, maybe I do have to take Princeton tonight. I don't think they win. I, I think Creighton does get it, but... I think that one's going to be close. All right, well, we're going to take a break here. The The Big Ten is out of it yet again, uh, the NCAA tournament, so no championship for here, what, the 23rd year. There's calls for the Big Ten to evolve and change its style. 
What does that mean? What does that look like? And do they have to do that for success in March? We'll discuss it next. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. You know what I don't understand about that Greeny promo? He's like, oh, you're wiping off all your all your dirt and filth. It's why you're in the shower to begin with. You should be clean when you get out of the shower. Yeah, I can understand that uh, maybe that water and all that stuff afterwards. Uh, maybe some stuff grows on, on on a towel. I don't know. I'll Google it later. But still, like, you're in the shower. <laughs> you're getting out of the shower. You should be clean and just toweling off. You should. I don't know. I'm not a germaphobe. Maybe he is. Uh, it is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Your thoughts, as always, on the Hammerhead Hotline. We'd love to see it here at uh, 765-447-4080. That is 765-447-4080. With Michigan State going out last night, which, by the way, what a game. And who, who calls for a... Backdoor alley-oop reverse dunk um, in overtime in the round in the Sweet 16 is that was one of the coolest things I've seen in quite some time in that tournament. It was a great game. I, I didn't get to, I saw a lot of the highlights this morning. I wish I could have been able to stay up for UCLA and and Gonzaga, but I know my son's gonna wake up at like 4:30, 4:45, and as much as I love it, I'd like to be able to function when I get here. But some tremendous games. Tremendous stuff. Great athleticism. But with Michigan State going out and the Big Ten being eliminated, there have been some calls after week one about this. I saw a lot of the talk on Twitter. Does the Big Ten need to change? Does the Big Ten need to adapt in some way? You know, the Big Ten's been the big physical conference. That's the way they play. You know, it really got ratcheted up there in the 2000s. And everybody else in the conference would try to catch up to like a Michigan State. And compete stylistically. And that's what most conferences you're going to do, right? You're trying to compete with those teams because that's the path to get yourself into the NCAA tournament. You can go out there non-conference and play some teams and win, but you still got to win inside your conference. But as the great Brian Newbert pointed out on goldenblack.com this week, Maybe there is something to this for the NCAA, or not for the NCAA, but for the Big Ten. What can you do about it? I, how do you, here's the thing, let, let's say I agree wholeheartedly with the sentiment that the Big Ten needs to change stylistically and get more athletic and, and maybe smaller in the process. How do you go about transforming an entire league? Now, I don't necessarily think that that's the issue. I think in March, you have to be much more guard-oriented. I think you have to have 
a shooter on your team get hot? I think you can have big personnel and and win. I think Purdue, with what they had, could have been in a great position here. And the problem being is they were unable to knock down those outside shots. That's what was missing here. And it has broke pretty darn well for Purdue. I mean, look, you win against Fairleigh Dickinson. You would take it on an FAU team. Tennessee couldn't shoot the ball. I think it's a tough Kansas State team for you to have to play to get into the Final Four. But I look, I, I when you see the teams that have the success in March, they tend to have that scoring guard. They tend to have the guy that can shoot the three. That's another thing I thought that, uh, you know, uh, Brian had, had brought up and, and what portal needs there are for Purdue. You know, to, to get outworked by five smaller players on the court, yeah, I understand that sets off some alarms here, but like you get guys like Tominaga's a, a great example, Funk was a great example of these guys that they don't do a whole lot outside of knock down a, a big three for you. But if you add one of those guys to Purdue and this team, and you don't have to rely on you know Mason Gillis to, to knock down your three there. If Fletcher Lawyer's not hitting, Braden Smith's not hitting, now you're down to you know Mason. And if those three guys, like they couldn't hit, I mean, you could use that. Ryan Klein kind of guy, right? I think Brian wrote down, hey, they're one-trick ponies, but that's a pretty good trick, and that was one that's really coveted in March. You know, we went through this um, on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, that these teams that were getting upset in the first round, the, the, these big-name teams, all had something in common. All these higher seeds, they were god-awful shooting from three. Arizona, terrible. Iowa State, terrible. Um, who else? I'm trying, trying to remember all the... Uh, USC wasn't too terribly good against Michigan State in that first one. Um, the A&M was not good shooting a three. Uh, who else wasn't really great? That open, I mean, Indiana was terrible against Miami. Iowa, terrible shooting against uh, Auburn. Virginia was the big one that stood out. They were horrible from behind the line. I'm just trying to be reasonable and figuring out what you know, you need to do here in the Big Ten because 
I don't think you can... You can't, even with the transfer portal, it's hard to overhaul your team, make it a run-and-gun or, or a much more guard-oriented team all of a sudden, unless you have the right recruiting class, and then make it a much more guard-focused team, which is probably going to cost you during the Big Ten season. And then you're going to have to claw yourself into a, a seven-seed, a six-seed, and then work from there. Or you end up at like an 8-9 seed and what? You're going to take on a 1 seed in the second round. Which doesn't exactly work out for the Big Ten. There's also the thing, and I know we're just going to focus on this year. You talk about the last couple of years. But this year, I mean, where were the dynamic scoring guards in the league this year? And I know you'll name a couple of them, but let's go ahead and run that over the last five or six years of the Big Ten, and you tell me how those guards stack up with some of the best ones that we've had come through the conference. I think it's a little bit of a down year. So, I look, is style of play a problem? It's the physicality. Look, in, in every sport we talk about, when, when you are under, when you are undersized and you're running up against a more physical team, you better be the faster team. That's the only chance that you have. We the same thing in football. The same thing in basketball. You better be faster if you aren't bigger. Maybe the Big Ten plays a little bit more antiquated. I don't know how you know how much it really lends itself to the NBA style now, which doesn't seem to be that more bang along the interior type thing. It's more of stepping out and hitting the threes, shots from the perimeter, or just straight getting to the rim, which means more athleticism and better shooters. But you guys are right when you talk about the stylistic of play. I think it would be incumbent on the Big Ten to put some more value on those guys instead of maybe the, you know, the stretch four. Maybe you need those more athletic two and three guys that can not only shoot that that three for you, knock out, knock down that logo shot for you. That Carson Edwards type shot for you in the tournament. Maybe you need more of those guys. It can also get to the rim if you need to do it. Those are just simply the guys that thrive in March. But I don't think that those are necessarily the guys that are going to win you Big Ten titles uh, during the regular season. So it's a weird balance that the Big Ten just needs to figure out. We're going to take another break. We'll come right back. We've got more Hammer Down Show on the way. Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. Make sure you're following the uh, brand new Twitter account, at The Hammer Sports, and uh, that way you don't miss out on anything we got going on on the shows here and uh, all the news, too. You never want to miss out on that kind of stuff. Uh, today, uh, Kentucky's Pro Day, Will Levis is throwing, and by all accounts looks uh, pretty good. Uh, this is clearly a target for the Indianapolis Colts, who may be down to him and Richardson from Florida. 
I said this, what, back in December? Levis was going to be the guy? Now, this was before they went and got uh, Steichen, and I think that changes things a little bit more because he seems to be the type of guy that wants a slightly more mobile quarterback. Levis is a little bit more of that prototypical you know, big guy, big arm, issues with turnovers, you know, throwing some picks. But let's face it, the Colts got themselves backed into a corner now because you know they're not going to have their choice of the first two quarterbacks because you know, they, they got snaked for the first pick. So, theoretically, that takes Bryce Young off the board. That takes C.J. Stroud off the board. I didn't think that they would be in the Bryce Young market to begin with anyway. I just think his size is a little bit of a drawback for them. And let's face it, I mean, Levis looks like a much more prototypical Indianapolis quarterback, right? But pocket passer, you can get outside and throw it, absolutely. But he's not an overly mobile quarterback. I thought that's what they would, uh, you know, what Ursay would want. But he looks good. I mean, the arm strength looks fantastic. He looked good, I thought, during the, uh, the combine with the arm strength. It's hard to ignore that. I think when you put him up against Richardson, uh, Levis to me just seems like the kind of guy that I can go out with with that arm strength in December and, and win the game that I need to win in Buffalo in December conditions. That just seems to be to be the guy. Now, what the Colts will do, I don't know. Probably still kicking the tires a little bit on Lamar Jackson. Here's the problem with Lamar Jackson, though. And the Colts should definitely have a word with him. Here's the in this this is the real danger in Lamar that you probably not pick it up. And it's not the loss of the draft picks. It's not the money that you're paying him. It's what you have to do to get there. The Colts could trim some of that salary if they needed to and make the offer sheet to Lamar. Absolutely, they can do that. And Lamar could sign it. But the problem is if the Ravens match it. Then you've cut salary, you've cut players that you otherwise weren't going to cut to make this happen. And you got to do that before you make the offer as well. Now, I'm sure you're probably not making those moves without talking to Lamar and say, hey, listen, if we offer you this, are we we on the same page? And there's a little bit of a small, he just might decide, nah, I'm not going to sign it. He may tell you he's going to sign it so he gets the offer, it gets out there, then he doesn't sign it because he doesn't want to play in Indianapolis, really. He just wants somebody to, there's, there's these dangers in doing that. 
Now, those are like, you know, small odds, but there's always the fact that Baltimore could just go ahead and match whatever Indy does. Outside of, you know, Lamar maybe just having a change of heart. But I thought Levis is, I, I, I truly think that Levis is going to be the guy. I saw Doyle say that they were going to trade back and they were going to steal somebody. I don't think so. The trade back and settle for the fifth best quarterback. If you were to do that, and oh, I think it was Hendon Hooker, and trade back and just take Hendon Hooker. You have your most important position on the team. Why in the world would you take? Would you trade back and take options away? Not to mention, leave yourself a chance that, again, somebody could jump up in front of you and take that prospective prospect. Just doesn't make any sense to me. That I, I don't see that lining up. I think Levis looked good today. I'm not on board with trade down, and you'll be able to get Hendon Hooker. You're leaving a lot up to chance. And if you believe in Hendon Hooker that much, then you just take Hendon Hooker there. Nothing says we have confidence in a guy more than, hey, we felt okay to trade back like eight or ten spots that nobody else would want him yet. Does that sound, does that leave you with an overwhelming sense of confidence? You missed out on your choice by trading up for the first. Jim Mersey said they were going to do what it takes. They did not do what it takes. This is the position that they're in. I'll be interested to see what happens at uh, afterwards from Levis's Pro Day. All, all the reports here. But from the video and stuff that I'm seeing here, he's making some pretty nice darn deep throws. If you're the Colts, you have to be serious about what you're doing at quarterback. And I just don't think trading back and then saying, hey, we can take Kendon Hooker, theoretically, is the move you really want to make. That's my take. We're going to take one final break, though. You hang tight. We're going to wrap up the weekend next. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Coming up next week on the Hammer Down Show, Kyle Charter's filling in again. No, I'm not going to be sick again. I actually do have the week off. It just happened to where I missed earlier this week. So uh, tune in all next week for Kyle. Uh, shout out to uh, Jeff Julek listening today and uh, firing off here on the uh, Hammerhead hotline. He says to trade down and take a draft hooker. I think he's crazy. It's not projected in the first round. You pick up a... Uh, Another pick or a second for that fourth. But yeah, it would be a gamble. Yeah, and you just don't gamble with your franchise. Now, if you go and you look at Will Levis and you go and you look at Richardson and you say, I don't think either of these guys are my future, then sure, I guess. 
How far do you feel comfortable trading down? Who needs to trade into that spot? That's what, you know, that's what makes me nervous about that. I would be, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if that were the case. I mean, if you really thought Hendon Hooker was your guy and you were trading back eight spots or something like that and picking up like a second round pick next year or something, I don't know. But I just, I, I don't think Hendon Hooker is passing up two other guys that everybody else is telling you that does this stuff for a living are going to be up at the top of the Colts boards. There's usually not a lot of surprises in the NFL draft anymore. There's a few every now and then. But barring some huge setback of an injury or some terrible story breaking about off-field incidents, you really don't see a lot of those type of things happening. So I, we'll see. I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked. I would really be shocked. If anything, I think you would save that pick. Make a pick, and if you think you could get them early on in the second, where are they at in the second? Are, did they have an early second-round pick? I don't know that off the top of my head, but if you have an early second-round pick, then, well, yeah. And you could turn around and get Hooker there if you really wanted to, but, no. I, I, think Le- I still think Levis is the guy, maybe Richardson. I called my shot early. I'm going to stick with it, despite all the changing landscape that's been with the Colts since I did that. I'm going to see if I can be right. I'm going to be stubborn about it. Uh, other things that we may have missed. Um, I, I am enamored with this video. Carthage High School. And this is in... Um, I didn't see what state it was in. But uh, this girl comes home with a softball game. She's running home from third. She's going to get tagged, and she pulls the classic Looney Tunes look over there on the catcher and scores. I don't know how, but of all the things you could do at home, and she's dancing around, and she just pointed. The girl turned her head, and then she dove for home plate. Got it. She had dead to rights. I'm pretty impressed. And I feel bad for the catcher because you're not you're not living that down. Uh, also, after last night's game, um, I was very surprised to see that uh, Tom Izzo was uh, not happy with his loss and chalked it up to, quote, some lucky shots from Kansas State. Didn't really acknowledge some of the amazing stat lines in that game. I know it's not easy either to lose that game, any game in March in the tournament. It stinks. But I'm sorry, maybe I'm asking too much or expecting too much of the Big Ten's most seasoned coach. But I think you're better than 
some backhanded compliments and saying Lucky plays a lot. Quote, give Kansas State credit. They banked in two shot uh, clock threes. They made some big plays, but some of those big plays weren't big plays. They were lucky plays. I'd never hear Matt Painter say something like that. I know he's been like this. I know you're saying, Jared, you're probably asking too much of him. I, I, I get it. But I've seen, you know, in March already here on the on the women's side of the tournament, we're already seeing those awkward, those bad handshake lines. There's another fight the other night. I feel like, the, you know, it's a lead-by-example thing. You got beat, you got beat. You fought back, you got to overtime. You couldn't finish it off. That's on you. Don't take that away from somebody else. I I feel like there's a little bit of grace. There's a little bit of dignity. The the bare minimum that you you can show here. I don't think that minimalizes anything that you've done or your kids have done. You went out there. You competed in the Sweet 16. There are 16 teams in the country that only make it to that spot out of what? 300? 300 plus? I think it's pretty good. I know some fans aren't happy with just getting to that level, and I understand that. But I do think if you lose a game uh, like that, where you had a shot at the end, you didn't get the shot off, you should have got the shot off, it's on you. Don't call them lucky. They earned that. They very much earned that. I just hate coaches and post games that are going to take that stuff away. From other teams. It's just uncalled for. All right, that's going to do it for me on the uh, Hammer Down Show. I will uh, be off next week. Kyle Charters is going to fill in for me all next week. Uh, I'm sure he'll have uh, lots of thought provoking commentary and uh, some great guests as well. So, uh, you know, that'll all be starting on Monday. We'll have Hammer Down Show all next week, three o'clock. Uh, we will see you then back here on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com.